It's very exciting to be starting a new series in the book of Acts, and uh, we're going to be learning a lot from God's Word uh, and what we can do in our world. How does the church in the first century, how does all that mesh with our situation now in 2020? Uh, is there anything for us here? Uh, ministry leaders here at Grace Chapel, uh, friends and members who are attenders here. Are you feeling handcuffed by anything that's been going on lately? <laughs> um, absolutely we do. So what is it that the Holy Spirit wants you and me, us together, individually and collectively, to, to get from God's word that the Holy Spirit wrote down through, through Luke who wrote this, this history of the early church, what does he want us to know that's good for our days right now to keep us on track with Jesus' plans for us, to, to get us back on track if we're off track? No matter what century the church has lived in, they needed this book. No matter what the circumstances are, COVID or persecution or terrible things, wars, etc., question marks, doctrinal battles, what is it that Jesus wants us to know and to be clued into from the book of Acts? Jeremy just read from Acts chapter 1, the first 11 verses. We're going to be looking at those in just a few minutes. Have you ever wondered what it was exactly that Jesus said for those 40 days? What did he instill into those disciples, into their hearts, into their minds that, that made them move? A word that came to mind this week was confident. Confidence in Jesus Christ. Confidence in his plans for them. Confidence in all his promises that he would build his church just as he promised. Just think about it. Think about how afraid the disciples were just a few days earlier, 40 or so, in the upper room when Jesus said, I'm going to leave. And what were they doing? They were terrified. They were afraid. They were sad. They were fearful. They didn't go to his burial. They were afraid. And now when Jesus is taken up to heaven, Luke tells us in, at the end of his gospel in Luke chapter 24, that they were rejoicing. Jesus is gone, and they're happy. They're, they're worshiping him. They're, they're jumping up and down. They were praising God because of what they knew was coming because of his word. The book of Acts is an excellent place for us to go to to be, get confident in our living for him right now, right here, in our service for him and our worship for him. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Do you believe that Jesus came to atone or to cover all the world's sins? Do you believe that his death on the cross was the perfect sacrifice so that your sins could be removed and forgotten by God because he made payment for them by his death in your place? Do you believe that Jesus is alive today, that he's resurrected, that he's at work today, that he's risen from the dead and he's ascended to heaven, proving that he is God and the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the promised Savior? Do you believe that today? If you say yes, and I hope you can say yes, then by God's grace and power, you are empowered and equipped to have a part in building the church. We are. Followers of Jesus Christ, you are a part of God's and Jesus Christ's amazing, never-ending kingdom. So quit looking around. 
and I get caught looking around thinking I'm a very small fish in a very large lake. I am. We are. But yet at the same time, we're called by Jesus Christ, the Lord of all, the risen Savior, to go and to make a difference in our world. So quit looking around and start thinking about what does Jesus want us to be doing and are we doing it? And I know we are, but can we do it better? Get inspired because listening to Jesus tell us what he wants us to do should get us moving. So get moving because we are his witnesses indwelt by the same Holy Spirit that came on those disciples on the day of Pentecost. I don't know about you. I guess it's my age. But I want to be busy doing what Jesus wants me to be to be doing with disciples like you. Because there's a final exam coming and it's getting closer every day. And it's really getting closer for me, I think, as I get older. So in Acts chapter 11, confidence because we have a risen Savior who's continuing to build his church. Confidence that we are to be growing through the Lord Jesus Christ because he gives us instructions to help us do the right things. Confidence because Jesus corrects us and he gives us this mandate that we are his witnesses and he's empowered us. Confidence to follow Jesus and to take part in building his church. So let's get to it uh, in, the, in God's word together in Acts chapter 1. Confidence in Jesus because he is doing something new. We read in, in the first two verses that Luke had written a former book. That's the Gospel of Luke. And those four Gospels, including Luke's Gospel, uh, talked is volume one. It, it's talking about what Jesus began to do and to teach. And, and in Luke chapter five, just as a quick summary, uh, Jesus was, was healing people and the crowds were coming to him and they were amazed by everything he was doing. And they were amazed at his teaching and in Luke chapter 5, Jesus healed the paralytic. Maybe you're familiar with the story. His four friends carried the paralytic to Jesus, and they lowered him through the roof, and, and he, Jesus healed them, and he forgave them his sins, and there was controversy, and, but the man got up. He was healed, and he was walking around, and everybody knew a miracle had taken place, and it says that they were amazed, and they said that remarkable things have happened today. <laughs> Can you imagine seeing someone like that suddenly jump up after years it would be amazing in spite of all the amazing things that Jesus said and taught and did do you realize he was constrained by the incarnation G. Campbell Mormon, uh, Morgan writes and he puts it so well Jesus was limited in his incarnation he was localized. He could only be at one place at one time. His glory was veiled by his human body and his human needs. He had to suffer on the cross. It was all humility. He, the Lord of glory was suffering and died. People didn't even understand who he was. And he had to do it to lay the groundwork for the salvation of all of God's people. That's what he began to do and teach. But now he's unrestrained. He's risen and he's in heaven. 
and the Holy Spirit has come in his place. We'll be talking about that more next week. And it implies all that he began to do and teach is that he's doing more of it right now. He's alive. He's here. And he's teaching us. He's speaking to us. He's with us. He's no longer constrained no longer constrained by his body. He's everywhere present. Do you realize he's with the believers on the other side of the world right now and south of us and north of us? And together, right now, he's at work building his church in ways we can't see or understand. We are so short-sighted. It's not in past tense. It's in what he began to do. We don't say, if Jesus were here today, he would tell us what to do. He is here today. He is alive. And you know this. We don't say that Jesus was just one of those once great people that led us and taught us and now he's gone. No, he's impacting our life right now. The Lord of glory. He's doing something new. This unfolding drama of saving people, redeeming people, purchasing them back through his death. He's at work. He's risen. He's ascending. Our, uh, ascended our confidence is in Jesus Christ. His blood and his righteousness. Our risen Lord is alive and well. We have confidence. It's not some woman or some man giving us their vision for what the world's going to be or how they can make life better for us. It's the Lord Jesus Christ, the God, the creator who is calling you and me to go and share his glories. You realize volume one, Luke wrote his gospel. Volume two was the Jesus continuing his work in the book of Acts, and we see how that's going to be taking place as Jesus builds his church, just as he promised. And we're actually part of volume three, the never-ending story of God's working in the world through the centuries, and we have a part in it right now. This story continues because we are his chosen people, his royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. There's this new bunch of people from all around the world, different races, languages, colors, etc., etc. We're one in Christ. Think about what you are a part of this morning, and it should get us a little excited. Confidence because of our risen Savior. Secondly, confidence that we're growing because of Jesus' instructions. In verses 2 through 5, Jesus talked to the disciples. He was explaining many proofs that he was alive. And I just want to take a minute to pause there because it's important. The resurrection must be true or our Christianity is a waste of time. If our Savior is not alive, just in our memories... (laughs) then it's worthless, because he was just another man. And death appears so final, doesn't it? Think about the impact. I think 40 days Jesus appeared to them, over those 40 days, again and again, because death seems so permanent, and it seems like it's the end. But it's not. Because Jesus Christ is alive, so it's no longer the end for everyone who believes in him. There is more to life, so even if I die here, and it's likely that I will unless Jesus comes back very soon, it's not the end, it's just the beginning of life that's even better. Let that get 
into your heart. It will make us, like Ann said, a little bit bolder when we know that even if we die, we are going to live. It should change how I live. This isn't a dream. It's not a hallucination. Jesus is alive. And then he said, don't move in verse 3. Do not leave Jerusalem, he said, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized you with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit must come, or we cannot be witnesses. We cannot believe. In John chapter 16, in the upper room that night, just before Jesus was crucified, he said, but I tell you the truth, it's good that I go away. Unless I go away, the counselor, speaking of the Holy Spirit, he can't come. Wow. So what's so good about Jesus not being here? Well, we've already kind of mentioned that, right? He's everywhere present. The all-powerful Holy Spirit is at work baptizing people into the body of Christ, making us believe he's helping us learn even right now this morning, learning to live by faith and not by sight. The disciples were so dependent on Jesus. Sometimes I wish I could have walked with Jesus, heard him teach. It would be so amazing. But you understand, he is teaching me. He's teaching you through his word, through the presence of the Spirit as we speak to one another. He is here with us. Let that get a grip on your heart and your mind. It's a better situation because God the Father and the Son is speaking to us through the Spirit of God right now. So we know that we need to know the story of Acts. We need to study it again and again because it builds confidence in Jesus because he's our risen Lord and Savior. It builds confidence because we see how Jesus' instructions make sense. He said, wait for the Spirit because the disciples couldn't do anything without that small, without the power of the Holy Spirit. And that small band of believers, men and women, were going to be filled with him and they were going to change their world. Talk about little fish in an ocean. And yet, look what happened because of the power of God at work in people of faith. Do you have a deep desire for more people to come to faith? To be rescued from sin and darkness, the sufferings of eternal fire and hell? Do you have any desire for people to know the joy of knowing the Lord Jesus Christ? I know you do. So what gets in the way? Our ignorance, our short-sightedness. So we have our confidence growing in Christ because he refines it. He corrects things. Look at verse 6. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The kingdom question. Jesus had been talking about the kingdom, verse 3, so it wasn't random a random question out of the blue. 
It was in context. But they were ignorant of the big picture, of what God was wanting to do. It's kind of like in Matthew chapter 16, Peter made the great confession when Jesus asked the disciples, the 12 disciples, who do people say that I am? And, you know, prophet, Elijah, this or that, maybe John the Baptist, he said, but who do you say I am? And of course, Peter, God the Father was speaking to him, said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. You're the savior, you're the promised one. And Jesus said, you're right. And on that rock and that truth, I'm going to build my church. And just right after that in the text, Peter, Jesus started talking about dying and, and being suffering. And Peter said, no, you can't do that. You're the Lord of glory. He didn't understand. And we don't understand often what it takes to build the church. That verb restore, are you going to restore the kingdom now? John Stott explains it so well. He says it reveals they were thinking about David's glory, David's kingdom, Solomon's kingdom. And Jesus is talking about something so much bigger and new and very different. And they use the word, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? Oh, yeah, I have a little note here. M-I-G-A, make Israel great again. It's short-sighted. It's not a national thing. It's a global thing. It's a universal kingdom God's building, and I can't get sidetracked worrying about if the USA is going to be great again or not. That's not my concern. It's not our concern. Our concern is to make disciples, to tell the gospel, to point people to the glorious king of glory. Sorry, I got a little. Do you understand we got sidetracked? We get involved in politics and we're different. Do you understand God is bringing people together from all different cultures who look at life differently? Some people have liberty. Some people are living in tyranny and their job is the same as ours and ours is theirs to be witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ, to live out his values in our world no matter if we have freedoms or not, or First or Second Amendment rights or not, it doesn't matter. Our rights come from the Lord Jesus Christ and his authority to go and make disciples from all nations. Can I just say this? Enjoy being a citizen of the United States. Leverage your freedoms, your liberties to spread the gospel. And if you're here visiting as a student or or an immigrant who's trying to be naturalized and become a citizen, God bless you, but just be good citizens. Because Jesus' kingdom is so much larger. Don't get distracted by the temporary for the eternal. Cultural differences, language differences, it doesn't matter. God has made us one through the Spirit. Our mission is the same. So Jesus sets the record straight for us, you see. You are to be my witnesses. Don't worry about times and dates. That's not our concern. Jesus says our concern is to be busy with being witnesses. The disciples were talking a kingdom in the promised land, and Jesus was thinking about the whole world of men and women and children who were lost. And Jesus is going to send a spirit on these men and he has sent that Holy Spirit to us to empower us to be those witnesses, to be transformed. Slowly but surely, God is changing us and making us people worthy to be called his followers. We have the power to be his witnesses. I have a note here. Oh, by the way, 
verse 8. We're going to be coming back to that verse again and again. Not just me, but David Mingle and Pastor Will, too. As we preach this, we're going to be sharing the pulpit through the book of Acts because it lays out the outline of the book. And we're going to see how they were witnesses in Jerusalem and then Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, and that's still going on today. I just want to take a minute to think about our Jerusalem, Samaria, and the world. And I want us to think small. Jesus is saying we need to be ready to move when the Spirit of God says move. You said it, Ann. Thank you. God set us up, didn't he? So I want you to think about your Jerusalem being in the pew you're sitting in or, or in that chair at home right now. I don't know where you're watching or hearing this. But think about that spot where you are right now as your Jerusalem. And are you being a witness in that spot? And maybe your Judea are just, if you're at home, or just the houses on either side of you and maybe across the street. Has there been any influence as a witness testifying to the risen Lord and his glory and what he has in mind for your neighbors? And what about Samaria? Those are people who are near us, but they have a different culture. You know, the Samaritans and the Jews didn't get along. They were different. The, the Samaritans were religious people. Do you know anybody who's religious, but they got their, their religions a little off? They don't have a clear picture of who Christ is. Have you entered their world? They're the people, and they may have a different color of skin and have a different language and a different culture, the way they do things. But some of them, those Samaritans, are people that look just like us. They're excited about the Eagles game that's going to be on in an hour or an hour and a half. They're just like us but they don't have a clue why they should become a Christian or need to become a Christian or who Jesus Christ is. And what are we doing to engage them and try to help some of them come to know who the glorious Savior is? Jesus following him, it's a foreign idea. We don't have to go far to meet our Samaria, let alone to the ends of the earth. Confidence in Jesus Christ because of who he is, the risen Lord. Confidence because he gives us instructions to help us grow in faith and understanding of his plans for us. Confidence because he not only uh, corrects our thinking about the kingdom and, and getting it right, you know, not being so narrow, narrow or provincial, but expanding our worldview to other people. And he tells us that we're empowered, that we will be able to be his witnesses. In verse 9, it says, After he had said this, and those last words are very important words, of course, about being witnesses. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and the cloud hid them from their sight. Jesus vanishes. But he's still here. He's not gone. He's here with us. 
And in John chapter 14, that verse, this verse always puzzled me. Again, it was in the upper room that last night before he was crucified. Jesus said this to the disciples, John 14, 12. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He will do even greater things than me because the greater things than these because I am going to the Father. The greater things were about to begin because Jesus was in glory and he's no longer constrained by his human body. He's now the risen Lord who rules and reigns in the universe. The Holy Spirit makes you a part of that work if you've believed in Christ. You are his chosen people. You're his bride. And he loves you. He loves us. And he's going to make us pure and holy. We're perfect partners to do work in his ministry, as imperfect as we are. We're his body. And he's the head. And some of us are hands and feet and fingers and toes and ears and all that stuff, you know, but it works together as we listen to him. He's making us, he's fit us together to do the work right here. Yes, us, right here. And we're a living temple. We're not supposed to be stationary, but we're living. We worship on the move. We serve him on the move. We pray to him on the move. We tell of his glories on the move. We explain God's salvation on the move because we're a living temple. And I know many of you are attempting to do this. You are doing the work. How can we help you do your work better? How can we equip one another to do the work? How can you help me be a better witness for Christ and vice versa, using our gifts together. We've been trying for four years to do it and we're starting to ask the good questions. Let's be encouraged because we serve a risen Savior. So to start the book of Acts, I close with these thoughts. Let's allow our studies in the book of Acts together to grow our confidence because Jesus is alive, he's risen. He's here with us, teaching us, instructing us, correcting us, guiding us. Let that truth move you to action. He sent the Holy Spirit to empower you and me, if you believed in him, to be his witness. So think about who is in your Jerusalem, our Jerusalem our Judea, our Samaria, our world, and let that truth move us to action. We have a mandate to be as witnesses. We're living in this generation. I was born in 1956. You can do the math. Because that's where he wanted me to be. And I don't know when you were born, before that or after that, but it's right where he wanted you to be, to serve and to work. Teenagers, you are not off the hook. Sorry, the world's a mess. For such a time as this, God the Spirit is living in you to do a great work.
let's be honest. We know what the scripture says about making disciples. And I think we know what we should be doing. We're spot on. But sometimes the truth gets stuck up here. Doesn't get to here, to our heart or to our hands. And you know the saying, and we're guilty, I am guilty of living it. Maybe you're not. After all is said and done, a lot more gets said than done. So let's let Jacob's cry be our cry. In the book of Genesis, Jacob was about to meet his brother Esau, and he is afraid for good reason. And it was a wrestling match when Jacob was all alone, and he was wrestling with God, with the Lord Jesus Christ probably in a pre-incarnate form. And here's what happened. In Genesis 32, verse 24, we read this. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. And when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. He had been blessed. We have been blessed through the Lord Jesus Christ. But he cried out, Jacob cried out for more blessing, more power, more from God. And I would ask us to do the same. Cry out to God to build his church here but not just a grace chapel. Don't be so provincial. Think about all the believers in Havertown that we would grow. Think about all the churches in the United States that they would have an impact in their world, that believers everywhere would do that, to build every gathering of believers, for new disciples to be made, for family members and co-workers to be rescued from eternal fire, for many to be saved in our nation and the whole world. Don't let go. Lord, empower us to be your witnesses because our world needs it. Don't let go of it. Let's pray. Father and God, Lord Jesus Christ, our risen Savior, we ask today that you would fill us with your power. We know you are present with us. We have the Spirit of God. Oh, open our eyes to see the glories of your kingdom and what you would have us to do. Change our minds. Change our thinking. Change our hearts. Give us your love and empathy to go to the lost. More and more, we pray. We need your strength. Strengthen us. We cry out for it. Change our thinking, Lord, so we look to your higher and better kingdom and don't get sidetracked or distracted by lesser things, but only your work. Wherever we work, wherever we go, wherever we're a student or a teacher or a worker, Lord, make us your witnesses, we pray. Amen.